This morning we come to Ruth chapter 4, but before that, as a bit of background, some unfortunate background, Genesis 38. Let's turn to Genesis 38, page 43 in in the Bible you might have. This is one of the uh, darkest chapters that I can think of in the Bible, Genesis 38. And yet the reason we're reading it is twice in Ruth, whatever we're learning from Ruth, it has this as its backdrop. It will mention Tamar, and it will mention Perez, and if that's the black canvas, we will see the light all the more. By the way, Genesis 38 is about the life of Joseph. Surprisingly, Joseph, before and after, and Genesis 38 is an interruption to say, hey, Joseph might be in a pit, but there's something you should know about pits. Big holes in the ground that are black and you can't get out. Here's Genesis 38. And God will be able to do something with big black holes to redeem and rescue. So hear the word of God. It came to pass at that time that Judah departed from his brothers. So Judah is one of the twelve sons. He's Joseph's brother. Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adullamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there was a daughter of the certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he married her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son, and he called his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son and called his name Onan. And she conceived yet again and bore a son and called his name Shelah. He was at Chezeb when she bore him. Then Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord killed him. And Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and marry her, and raise up an heir to your brother. But Onan knew that the heir would not be his, and it came to pass when he went in to his brother's wife that he emitted on the ground, lest he should give an heir to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, therefore he killed him also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till my son Shelah is grown. For he said, Lest he also die like his brother's. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. Now in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up to his sheep shearers at Timnah, he and his friend Hira the Adullamite. And it was told Tamar, saying, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil, wrapped herself, and sat in an open place which was on the way to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown, and she was not given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, because she had covered her face. Then he turned to her by the way and said, Please let me come into you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she said, What will you give me that you may come into me? And he said, I will send a young goat from the flock. So she said, Will you give me a pledge till you send it? Then he said, What pledge shall I give you? So she said, Your signet and cord and your staff that is in your hand. 
Then he gave them to her, and he went into her, and she conceived by him. So she arose and went away, and laid aside her veil, and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the young goat by the hand of his friend, the Adullamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he did not find her. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the harlot who is openly by the roadside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. So he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also the, the men of the place said that there is no harlot in this place. And Judah said, Let her take them for herself, lest we be shamed. For I sent this young goat, and you have not found her. And it came to pass, about three months after, that Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by harlotry. So Judah said, Bring her out, let her be burned. When she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man to whom these belong, I am with child. She said, Please determine whose they are, the signet, the cord, and the staff. So Judah acknowledged them and said, She has been more righteous than I, because I did not give her to Shelah, my son. And he never knew her again. Now it came to pass at the time for giving birth that, behold, twins were in her womb. And so it was, when she was giving birth, that one put out his hand, and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand, saying, This one came out first. Then it happened, as he drew back his hand, that his brother came out unexpectedly. And she said, How did you break through? This breach be upon you. Therefore his name was called Perez. Afterward, his brother came out who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. That's the word of God. Genesis 38. Now let's turn to Ruth chapter 4. Page 309. Ruth 4, Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative, which um, is a translation of the Redeemer, the Redeemer by whom, of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Come aside, friend. And you remember last time it was Mr. What's-His-Name or Mr. So-and-So. Come aside, you, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from the Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. 
You redeem my right of a redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this, this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, Redeemer. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. Boaz begot David or Obed. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. So far, the word of God. After the sermon, Psalm. 128, especially you try to sing that Psalm 128, it mentions about um, children born and the blessed is the man. Um, you think of the family of Christ when you, think, when you sing that song. Think of the new family that we are in Jesus Christ. Beloved brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, are you a redeemer? Remember how we ended last week? You dare call yourself a redeemer? Do I even know what that means? You might be saying, someone who rescues others from trouble. That's a redeemer. Someone who pays the ransom. Someone who makes for peace, rescues, gives freedom instead. Are you a redeemer who takes after the great redeemer, Jesus Christ? Remember Jesus Christ. The gospel is that he lowered himself into our world. Think of Christmas. He took upon himself being human 
and then lowered himself even more to submit to the Father in total obedience, even to take sin upon himself, our sin, your sin, lowering himself to be forsaken as a sinner under God's wrath. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. I have not come to be served, Jesus said, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. That's your Redeemer. And I was asking last time, do you take after Him? It turns out there's a lot of people that do. And here's our one last look at Ruth before we move on. We're closing the series for this season. And as we close out, this book of Ruth is not just fizzling out for us. It's going out with a punch, with a bang. And it's basically putting Ruth and Boaz into perspective. They're going to fade out and become really small. And we're going to see the big picture. Ruth, amazing lady, you've noticed. You're actually one of many. Boaz, an amazing man. You're one of many. Redeemers actually do grow on trees, but not just any tree. The family tree of Christ. Redeemers grow on the family tree of Christ. He is, Jesus Christ is the Adam, the second Adam, the final Adam. All those who are in Jesus Christ happen to be doing this redeeming thing. They take after their Lord Jesus Christ because of the Spirit of God in them. And so we're going to get this important question on the way out of church this morning. Is Christ's redemption, is Christ buying me back from sin, from slavery to sin, is that showing through in my life? Am I becoming a servant? Because we've been looking at Boaz, and I don't have much of a first point here, because everything you've heard so far is Boaz has just redeemed Ruth. And Boaz has redeemed that whole family. He's brought back their land out of debt. He's bought back Elimelech's family line. So he's, he's married Ruth. Verse 9 says to raise up the name of the dead. To raise up the name of the dead in his inheritance. And Boaz, remember the name, strength. He has been a man of integrity, honor, strength. And he's put his name on the line. He's risked his own inheritance in some way, courageously. And that's been our first point. Boaz redeemed Ruth. Verse 13, you see that? So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, which is a quiet way in the Bible to mention sex, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. And by now... In the scriptures, if you've read from Genesis 1 to this point in the scriptures, there is nothing automatic about what you've just read. You hear this? Boaz and Ruth, they get married and they have a son. Wait, what? This almost never happens. Having a son just like that? I mean, you just think of the patriarchs, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah. Jacob with Rachel and Leah. And I know Rachel and Leah are mentioned in verse 11. Those two who built up the house of Israel. How did they build up the house of Israel? Well, with a lot of cat fighting. 
They've been trading favors, trading mistresses, shouting out, give me children or I'll die. Yeah, not so pleasant, eh? The fine print. Genesis 30 describes all that mess. Having children almost never happens like this that we read about. And even for Ruth, sometime earlier in her life, we know that her husband, Malon, lived in Moab for 10 years. Sometime in those 10 years, he gets married to Ruth. Sometime you would expect a baby. But there's no child for Ruth with her first husband. And then you hear this. The Lord gave her conception. Everything worked out. Happily ever after, right? Let's not rush it. Personal experience and Bible experience, you know that this little one-liner that the Lord gave her conception is loaded with God's redemptive power. The Lord provides offspring for the woman. you got Genesis 3 running in the back of your mind, right? The seed of the woman will be at enmity with the seed of the serpent. And then you hear, the Lord gave her conception. You're like, the Lord graciously, gloriously gave her conception. And so you don't ignore the big picture here. An Old Testament child is born. And as Christmas season approaches, maybe you'll hear a song or we'll sing Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And that's just the Redeemer's family tree as it's growing. Children don't just happen when you decide you want children. And a son, a son back then no less. Because Ruth didn't simply have a child here. Verse 13. We were truly hoping for a son, a male child. What are the chances of that? The male child who would maybe be, who could be, possibly would be, the serpent-slaying male child who would crush Satan's head. Is this the one? Anyway, let me close out our first point. Boaz redeems Ruth. That's the short line. But we have a few verses to go. This Boaz and Ruth story is a small picture. One branch of the Redeemer's family tree. In fact, it's only just a few leaves of one branch on this massive tree that's connected with Christ as the vine. And now, verse 13. Ruth says, um, Ruth is fading out here in verse 13. What we've heard about Ruth is over. And she's okay with stepping aside because we better not miss the whole point here. It's not all about Ruth. It's about the Redeemer's family tree. Redeemers do grow on Christ's family tree. So he's got a baby. The next generation has now lined up. The continuation of Elimelech with Naomi and Ruth with Boaz. Now we have the next generation. So our second point, Naomi's Redeemer. And if you were to, maybe you saw this Saturday already, you were looking, I wonder what the sermon's about. Redeemers do grow on trees. Ruth's Redeemer, Naomi's Redeemer. And you're like, who's Naomi's Redeemer? Maybe you give it some thought. Because you would be like, probably Ruth, right? Isn't she been 
redeeming Naomi, her mother-in-law. Ruth has been going out in the fields. She's a go-getter. She's, she, she's crossing, crossing the threshing floor. She's that kind of a go-getter. But who is Naomi's redeemer? If you said Boaz, you get a point. He's the one who bails out the whole family of Elimelech. You've got a point if you say Boaz. But look, look at what the Bible says. Look at what God's saying in verse 14. Where the women of Bethlehem, they're speaking prophetically with authority, with truth from God. The women of Bethlehem in verse 14. The women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative redeemer. You're thinking Boaz, right? No. And may his name be famous in Israel. May he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has married... Wait. Has borne him. Did you see that? Has borne him. And what the ladies are saying is, Hey, Naomi, Ruth has just given birth to your Redeemer. Look at verse 16. This is only getting better. Picture grandmother Naomi. Verse 16. Grandma Naomi took the child, laid him on her bosom, and became a nurse to him. And the neighbor women gave him a name saying, "This There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. Naomi has a son. Do you catch that? Ladies in Bethlehem. Do you know what you're saying? This would be a grandson, wouldn't he? I mean, do the ladies in Bethlehem know what was going on back in chapter 1? Did they hear this fight, this argument going on back in Moab? Far away in the land of Moab, chapter 1. They weren't around in Moab to hear what was going on. But there was Naomi when we first met her. And she was saying to her two daughters-in-law, girls... You stay in Moab, I'm coming back to Israel on my own. Don't follow me, don't come with me, you stay there. And what did Naomi add to that? She added this ridiculous line. She said, are there still sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope... If I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them until they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? I hope you remember this. Chapter 1, Naomi was saying, it's absolutely absurd, it's crazy, it could never in a million years happen to have a son. And what's your Redeemer God saying? Naomi has a son. The women of the village, they're using the same word. The same word that the old, bitter, nasty Naomi had used. And they're saying, this hasn't been too hard for God, has it? Is anything impossible? Obed, the famous family redeemer. The famous baby redeemer. The ladies, they really lay the truth on thick. Uh, you, you might want to imagine how this goes. I imagine it to be a little bit of a get-together, maybe like a baby shower, 
All the town ladies come together to Elimelech's house. Remember, Naomi gets her husband's house back. Maybe there's some sort of naming ceremony. So we're going to give this child the name Obed, which is kind of odd. Obed, what does that mean? Servant. And it's not named by, uh, Boaz is not naming. Ruth is not naming him this. Naomi's not naming him this. I mean, who would ever say the name Obed? It's ridiculous. You ever name your kid servant? Imagine, that's, that's what it means actually. Literally in Hebrew, it would have sounded like this. Hey, servant, it's breakfast time. Hey, servant, clean up your room. No, you don't use that name. And yet, he gets this name, servant. There's something of a naming ceremony going on. And the ladies of the village call him servant. Sounds a lot like Redeemer, doesn't it? And they're bringing gifts. They're bringing their whatever doilies and their quilts and their onesies that they've been knitting. And Naomi has Ruth's baby on her lap. Naomi is the nurse. And she's the caregiver. That's what verse 16 says. Naomi, the grandmother, is the caregiver. And, and the ladies are saying a lot of true things. Verse 14 to 15. May this baby, maybe this baby redeemer, be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. You have to imagine Grandmother Naomi holding this baby and the ladies of the town are saying, who's taking care of whom? The ladies are saying, Obed, right now you are nourishing your grandmother. Seriously? You are reviving your grandmother. You are feeding your grandmother. You are... You're restoring her life. A baby is doing that. A baby being born is the hope. It's the joy. It's the life of Naomi. And this is key. Especially as we, in the next couple of weeks, we're heading into Christmas. A baby is a sign of great hope, right? But back up for a moment. A baby is so hope-filled. Nowadays, when the world around us, even Christian married couples, they sometimes speak of holding off with having children because children today are mostly seen as a commodity. Do I want kids? Well, there's some pros and cons. There's huge expenses. There's time commitment. Uh, I don't know. It's changing my career. That's going to affect it. Do I, do, but I do have this void in my heart. I really desire to have children. So there's like... Maybe, maybe not have kids. And couples today think of children as their choice, their preference. How many couples think of what it means to your parents and grandparents? How many couples think about what a child means to family? 
And church, the tree of Christ, the family tree of Christ. In Malachi 2 verse 15, you hear God himself say, I want godly offspring. Does that factor in? Naomi, she's a mom and a grandma who needs to be revived. And years are are whipping by and she's getting older. Soon she'll be asking how, the, the village people will be asking this question, how is Naomi doing now? I haven't seen her for a few days. She's declining in health. Maybe her arthritis is really flaring up. Her quality of life is fading. Should the government have a program, some sort of uh, a program to terminate Naomi, kill her? That's made, you know, assisted suicide, euthanasia these days. No, no, you hear the Lord. He's redeeming Naomi. Look at the Lord bringing the answer. An Obed. I've got you a redeemer. I've got you a son who will honor his father and his mother. Grandmother, a son who will provide for the future, who will lead his family to their redemption in Jesus Christ. Here is Obed, servant. He's born to save his grandma. He brings light to her eyes. And she is laughing. When is the last time you heard Naomi laugh? She's not bitter anymore, is she? This is amazing. Uh, Young people, boys and girls, how are you nourishing your parents and your grandparents? Are you doing this redeeming thing? Because the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother, you never hear it the same when you hear the story about Obed. I want you to redeem your grandparents, your parents. Rescue them. Deliver them from sorrow, from loneliness, from pain, from poverty. It's simple. Thank the Lord for them. Write a message to them. Do it today. If they live close by, hug them today. Children, tell your grandpa, tell your grandma who your Redeemer is. There's no greater joy to your grandparents than knowing you have a redeemer. And boys and girls, there are so many elderly people out there. So many elderly people. Boys and girls, ask your mom or dad if you can adopt one or two as a grandpa, as a grandma. Remember Obed? He is Naomi's redeemer. And God wants you to remember Obed, verse 14. His name will be famous in Israel. Are you going to remember his name? That his name means servant? A really odd name for a kid? To serve God? To serve others? He is in the Redeemer's family tree. He is someone who serves. 
And there's a parallel as Christmas approaches. Think of the joy when Joseph and Mary bring Jesus, baby Jesus, into the temple. Think of the old-timers that meet him. Simeon, an old-time, he takes up baby Jesus in his arms, and then he says this, Now let your servant go in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, glory for your people Israel. Such excitement over a little package, a little bundle. Or think of Anna, another lady in the same temple. A, a widow should remind you of Naomi when you hear of Anna. Luke 2, verse 38, coming up at that very hour, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Hey, you, you want to know about the redemption of Jerusalem? He's right here. So many in the Old Testament were waiting for redemption. Little Obed revives his family. You saw that back in the book of Ruth as one who points to Jesus who would revive the entire family tree. Our second point was Obed. Our third point now. Maybe you think this is going to be the real boring part. The chronology. Verses 18 to 22. Let's read. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. The Redeemer of Israel, family tree. And you're actually seeing the huge part of a branch now. Part of the branch from the family tree of Jesus Christ, a lot of the branch of David, right there. Ten generations. Perez to David. And you're like, where's Jesus? Well, remember this. The whole branch is tied to Jesus. And it's enough to know that everyone on this branch has a story all pointing to the story of Jesus Christ. So don't leave this at Ruth and Boaz. Don't leave it at Naomi and Obed. This is a chain of miracles. At the time written, this is the house of David, the king, the great redeemer king who would rescue an entire nation of Israel time and again. The redeemer king after God's own heart and I'm not sure if we're ready to speak of Jesus Christ unless we have seen this pattern of redeemers. You might say, oh, just show me Jesus. And I'll say, hang on, you want to know the Lord Jesus? Look at his family tree. They obeyed one another. They boaz, like obed means servant. They serve one another. They boaz one another. That's, they strengthen, they encourage one another. These are redeemers. And those who heard that genealogy, that ten names there, they would have known a lot more closer to that time. But doesn't it seem totally random that you start in the middle of nowhere? Like you're not starting with Abraham or Noah or somebody famous, but you're starting in the middle of nowhere, ten generations. Have you ever heard of Perez? I mean, the ladies mentioned his name in verse 12. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. 
And that's where the backstory of Genesis 38 comes in. The Redeemer backstory just on Perez. And let me keep it really short just as I rerun this. As we get to our closing, Tamar is one like Ruth because Tamar has forced her way into the Redeemer's family tree. Right? Remember that? A lot like Ruth, a total outsider, absolute Canaanite. And she's doing something like, your people will be my people. That's Tamar. And Tamar is seeking a baby, but not just any baby, because, you know, she could have given away her body to any man to get pregnant, but that, that's not how she does. By hook or by crook, she'll get into that line of Judah. And that's how Perez shows up. Now, Perez, why is he famous? It's not just because of his mom. But Perez, by his name, which means breach, like he's totally broken it, fractured up the normal work order, the, 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 the normal way of going through life. He's messed up the birth order. Right? So let me remind you, Genesis 38, he's a twin. And he is going to come out of his mother's womb first. And so they tie the little red string, a scarlet-colored mark, the who is the firstborn. And whoops, he's pulled his hand back in. That's Perez. Second place. Did he do it on purpose? Did he know what he was doing? Mr. Perez, Mr. Breach, Mr. No, brother, why don't you go first? That's Perez. Do you see Jesus Christ? Already in the Old Testament, through his family tree, redeemers growing on Christ's family tree, and there's more than one of them. And people are forcing themselves into this family tree. You can think of ladies like Rahab and Tamar and Ruth. I want in. Lord, rescue me. Make me part of this family of those who are rescued. Those who have life. So as we come to a close, Perez is famous, right? You won't forget him. Boaz is famous. Obed is famous. They are famous in Christ's family tree. In John 15, the Lord Jesus says, I am the vine. I am that tree. You are the branches. Abide in me. You know what that's about? Abide in me. Grip onto me. He who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. There are those who thought that being family was a physical thing, a genealogical thing, like the Pharisees, the Jews of the Old Testament day, they, they really love this. As if physically being part of Abraham's line or David's line would be their salvation, would be their redemption. And maybe i got to warn you, there are some church members who, who love this. That if physically being close to church people would be your redemption, watch out. 
Watch out, that's, that's not true at all. In John 15, Jesus says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered to be gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. You aren't part of my family tree, Jesus says to many. If you're not abiding in me, if you're not clutching onto me, gripping me, staying in me, if my redemption's doing nothing for you, you are not one of my children. 1 Timothy 5, verse 7. If anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Powerful words. In the New Testament, powerful words with that background of what it means to be in the family of believers. If you're not being one of those redeemers, taking care of those in your own household and others, what makes you think you're part of this tree? And the Lord Jesus leaves this as very practical. He's making his way to the cross, and you hear in John 13, I came not to be served. John 10, or it's Mark 10, verse 45. But John 13 is really showing this. Jesus saying, I came not to be served, but to obey. I came to serve. To give my life as a ransom for many. And you'll hear a lot about love in the Bible. You hear a lot about love in the world too. Love is love is love. But do you mean love? Obed love. Boaz love. Perez love. David love. As you go from here, remember the message is, is not just one line. Jesus is your Redeemer. That's not just the message. Jesus is your Redeemer. It's got to be more. Jesus is the Redeemer of all Redeemers. He's the Rescuer of those who rescue. The Savior of those who save. Let's not deny the faith. Let's especially look out for those we're in the family of God, the household of God. We are family. We're the re Redeemer's family. And you are in Jesus Christ not to be served, but to serve. Amen.